Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad you're with us this morning. My name is Mitchell. I get to work as our student ministry director here at ICC. And wherever you are today, we're so happy that you've joined us for worship, that we get to worship together. Now, as you know, uh, today's an online-only Sunday, okay? So we're all just watching. Okay, so right now, I'm just talking to a camera, but I know that you guys are in there. And so we're together in spirit, but just be patient with me. Give me a little grace, okay? If I'm a little extra awkward today, just know that that's why, okay? And just hang in there with me. We're so glad, really, that you're with us this morning. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. You know, this is always kind of, at least to me, I've always thought this time between Christmas and New Year's is a, a little awkward. Like the Christmas season is really fun and exciting, and then it's kind of over, <laughs> But then you are looking towards, you know, beginning a new year and, you know, there, there are things to look forward to. So it's just kind of an awkward gap, at least for me. And maybe you feel that way too. But I actually do think that it presents a, a really unique opportunity for reflection as we look back on the past year and we prepare to move into a new year. I actually think it's a great moment to just reflect on your life this past year what God has done, maybe what you're hoping for in this next year. So I would really encourage you to take some time to do that in the next days, maybe even today. Uh, take some time to process that. I know for me, I just want to start out just speaking personally. Uh, this year has definitely been uh, up and down, and I'm sure you relate. Uh, I've had some real highs and some real lows, and I find that that's often how God works. He uh, uses both of those things together uh, for our good. And uh, so many of you know, just for me personally, uh, kind of my big news, my recent life change, uh, I've gotten the opportunity to get engaged to my lovely lady, Kirsten. Uh, and if you don't know her, I think you will uh, soon. But, uh, you know, at, at the same time, while we're celebrating that, like we're so excited, we're so grateful to God for his faithfulness. We're so thankful for the support we've received. We're really thrilled about this new season that God has us in. Um, at the same time, like this year has been full of challenges and struggles just for me personally. Like I think if I'm being honest, I think I have probably seen and felt more of my own sin and brokenness than maybe any other year before. And maybe, maybe you relate with that. Uh, you know, there are times that difficult life circumstances expose things. They reveal things that are broken in us. The, the reality is that they're already there. Uh, circumstances don't uh, break us. So 2020 didn't break us. COVID didn't break us. Uh, quarantine didn't break us. Whatever challenges you face this year, that's not what broke you. Sin is what breaks us. And then difficult circumstances in life just reveal those things and they, they bring them out. And that's painful. <laughs> uh, but there's also a real gift in that. And that's some of what we're gonna be talking about today. So if you're with me, if you're, if you're saying, yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of there too. Like this has been a, a tough year. Uh, it's been rough personally for, for whatever reason. Uh, and I, I'm aware of my brokenness and I need help. <laughs> then great. <laughs> like you're in good company. We're, we are all broken people and we live in a broken world and we need help. And there's good news for us. God has good news for us today. 
And so uh, we're going to be finishing up our Christmas series, Simple Gifts. We've been talking each week about uh, just different gifts that God gives through Jesus uh, at Christmas. And so we've had some awesome teachings. Tom and Matt both have just led us in powerful teachings from the Word. And we're going to wrap this up today. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the final gift we're going to be focused on today. The, uh, this last simple gift of Christmas is the gift of rescue. The gift of rescue. So I, I don't know what you think about when you hear that word. Um, you might think about someone in like a, a dangerous situation, right? Like a burning building or someone who's drowning, right? Uh, uh, maybe even a, a deadly situation. And what, what rescue means is that someone from outside the situation who has the power and the ability to change that situation steps in. They intervene and they help someone who can't help themselves. They deliver them out of that danger. It's essentially what the word rescue means. And <laughs> It's truly what Jesus came to do. Like we can't miss this. This is right at the heart of the, the purpose and the mission of Jesus in coming to earth as a human, which is what we're celebrating uh, at Christmas, what we've been celebrating. And, and hopefully you've experienced the joy in that, but we wanna dig in just a little deeper today uh, to talk about this. I mean, even Jesus's very name bears witness to this. So the name Jesus that we say in English, it's, from the, the Greek form of a, of a Hebrew name, Joshua, uh, which means the Lord saves. So the very name that Jesus was given by God bears witness to his purpose. He came to save. He came to rescue. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. Matt uh, showed us some of that last week. Even Jesus knew this about himself. In Luke 19.10, Jesus refers to himself in third person. He says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He says, that's why I'm here. It's to find and save those who are lost. So this is really what Jesus was all about in his time on earth. The gospel story, what we refer to as the gospel story is a rescue story. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he lived for our righteousness, he died for our sin, and he rose for our victory. And yes, he did it all uh, to please his Father. He did it out of obedience to, to God the Father, to glorify him, but he also did it for our rescue. So that's why we're calling this a, a simple gift of Christmas. That's what Matt reminded us of last week, is that as we, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we have to keep this in view we have to have a perspective on the, the bigger story and Jesus' rescuing work. He came to earth on a rescue mission. And this is something that we see in the Christmas story, okay? So we're gonna go to scripture now. So go there with me. We're gonna be back where we've been every week, uh, which is at the beginning of the book of Luke. It's where we kind of have the best birth story of, of any gospel. So back at the beginning of the book of Luke, I would really encourage you, challenge you, invite you to, to join me, okay? So this is, Y'all know, all this stuff that we do, this is not a performance. It's not entertainment, okay? I don't, we don't want you just passively listening. We're worshiping together. We're learning together, okay? So I'd really ask you to join me, whether that's with a, a you know, physical Bible or on your phone or, or whatever. We're, we're here to hear from God, okay? So uh, go there with me, the, the beginning of the book of Luke. Now, we're going to look at some passages that we actually haven't looked at yet, there are a couple, in the first two chapters of Luke, there are a couple of times where certain characters in this birth narrative kind of pause for a moment and they respond in song. They uh, sing songs of 
praise to God, like reflecting on what he's doing through this story, the birth of Jesus. And so that's actually what we're going to look at today. It's really cool. They're really powerful. Um, so just quick, quick review as you open your Bible to the book of Luke. Uh, the story starts with the, the foretelling of the births of both John the Baptist and Jesus. So remember John the Baptist, he was a relative of Jesus and he was set apart by God as a prophet to make the way, prepare the way for Jesus. So uh, God sends the, the angel Gabriel to John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, and announces this news to him, explains this to him. And then Gabriel goes to Mary, explains this to her, okay? And then we find our first song. So in Luke chapter one, verse 46 is where it starts, and it's Mary's song. It's referred to sometimes as the Magnificat. So turn there with me, and we're just gonna read through it, and then we'll go from there, okay? So starting Luke chapter one, verse 46, and Mary said, this is her responding in song, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Okay, so Mary takes a moment. She's visiting her her uh, cousin Elizabeth, who's the, the woman who's bearing John the Baptist. And she, just, she, she has this moment where she glorifies God for what he's doing in giving her this child. It, it sort of echoes, you may be familiar in the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel. Hannah uh, has this prayer of praise in response to the birth of her son Samuel, the prophet. It's similar in that sense. Throughout scripture, we see times where women who are waiting for a child praise God for giving them their child. But there's more to it than, than that for Mary because as we know, Mary's a, a virgin. She's betrothed to be married to Joseph, engaged pretty much. So she, she's, not, she's not awaiting for news of pregnancy, right? That's not what she was hoping for. This is something that God is just doing and it's much bigger than her and she's aware of that. The angel Gabriel has explained the situation to her and so she has this awareness that what's going on is much bigger than her having a baby, right? You can see that she's aware that God is bringing rescue through this baby. And you see that, look at the very first verse. The very first thing she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my what? My savior, She's addressing God as her savior, which implies a, a couple of things, at least two things that I can think of. One is that Mary's aware that she needs a savior. She needs to be saved by someone. And number two, it implies that she's aware that what God is doing through this child of hers is for her salvation. To put it simply, you could say she's aware that she needs a savior and she's also aware that she's pregnant with him. <laughs> so, 
Mary, to, to some extent, she, she sees what's going on and she's praising God for his salvation. And hopefully you saw that throughout the song. And this is supported elsewhere, okay? So we're, we're gonna come back here, but I do wanna show you a couple of other places here in this story where this is, is very clear. So right after this, if you're looking at your Bibles, uh, John the Baptist is born and his, his, his dad, Zechariah, who the angel Gabriel had, had appeared to previously, he hadn't been able to speak throughout the whole pregnancy. For, so for, I guess, nine months, he couldn't talk. All of a sudden, John is born and he can speak again. And he bursts out into this prophetic hymn kind of thing. And it's really amazing. So look at it with me. So it's Luke chapter 1, verse 68. Okay, we're just going to read over this and just listen for these themes. What is, what is Zechariah praising God for? Let's see. Starting, yeah, Luke chapter 1, verse 68. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, so Zechariah is speaking to John, his son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So did, did you see that there? What is, what is Zechariah praising God for? Look, look, look back at it, starting in verse 68. These are the things that he's saying. He's saying um, th that God has visited and redeemed his people. <laughs> so <laughs> Zechariah is aware that God has come to earth to visit his people, but he didn't just come to visit. Jesus didn't just come to see what it was like to be human and just check things out on earth. He came to visit and he also came to redeem. So he's, he's, he's visited and redeemed his people and he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Joseph, uh, Jesus's earthly father is, is from the line of David. So Zechariah, he knows he, he, he knows what, what's going on, what God is doing through Jesus, and he knows his son, John, he knows his role in this, right? He goes on, he, he, hopefully you saw it and you heard it as we were reading, that we should be saved. Later on in verse 74, he says, um, being delivered from the hand of our enemies. Just over and over again, he's, he's singing the song of salvation. Zechariah sees the big picture. He sees the rescue story that's taking shape. Maybe you remember we've been reading a lot in Luke 2 in past weeks. You, you may remember when the angel appears to the shepherds in the field. How do they, how do they announce Jesus? They're bringing, he says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What, what's the news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So even there, the angel is, is, is announcing to these shepherds, you have a Savior. I'm, I'm, that, that's the news, is that there's a Savior that's born. The last, last uh, piece of scripture we'll look at is another song later in Luke chapter two. So um, Mary and Joseph, what, what, kind of what happens is they take Jesus 
to the temple for the first time. And there's this old man waiting there named Simeon. You may be familiar with this story. You may not be. But he's a holy man and he's, he's devout, he's righteous, he's awaiting a savior. And God has kind of given him this promise through the Holy Spirit that he would see, he would see uh, the savior of Israel. And so this guy's in the temple, Mary and Joseph walk in with Jesus and it says that he takes him up in his arms. And starting in verse 29, this is Luke 2, starting in verse 29, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He says, I, I, can, I can die now. I can die a happy man now. You can, I, I can go in peace. Why? Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Like by by physically laying eyes on this child, Jesus, Simeon says, I have seen salvation. To to see Jesus is to see salvation. Okay, so hopefully you're you're getting the picture. (laughs) Here's here's the, the just clear statement we want to make is that through Jesus, God gives the great gift of rescue. This is right at the heart of what Jesus came to do. And, and why is this so important? Well, it's important because we desperately need to be rescued. We started that conversation earlier. We're broken people in a broken world. We need to be rescued. The question is, do you know that? Are you, are you aware of that? And that's where we're, we're going we're gonna to build on this statement. We're going to ask this question, well, this is sort of a natural question. Well, to who? God gives this gift of rescue through Jesus, but to who? I mean, who, who is this for? This is good news, right? This gift is really good news, but who is it for? We're going to look for that answer back in the Song of Mary. So we're going to return there and we're going to finish there today. Mary's song starting in... Uh, verse 46 of chapter one. So Mary kind of goes there. She doesn't just stop at, at rejoicing in what is happening. She, 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 she digs in. She, she, it's, this is a deep and rich song that she sings, uh, praising God because she, she goes beyond just what's happening and she's, and she's getting into what this means for, for people, for all people, not just her. And she answers this question really, really clearly about who is this for to who. So let's look back at what we read here. So Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. You remember that. But then she says what? For he has looked on the humblest state of his servant. So God has done something amazing. I mean, she she goes on, it says, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty, God, has done great things for me and holy is his name. I mean, he has given a great gift. But part of why he's given it is because of her humble estate. She knows that that's, that's part of what's going on here. She says he, he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. She, she goes on and says uh, more, more about this. She says his mercy is for who? For those who fear him from generation to generation. She goes on and she, she sets up these contrasts between the, the proud and the humble. He's brought down the mighty. He's exalted those of humble estate. Another one right after. She says, he's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. I mean, this is, she's, I mean, she's using repetition. Mary is, is making the, 
the, the point very clear. And, and, and the point is this, when we come to this question, to who, who, who does God give this great gift of rescue to? It's to those who can receive it. It's to those who are willing and able to receive it. And who is that? Well, it's really clear here in Mary's song. That's the humble. It it really all comes down to an attitude of the heart. Mary's talking about humility of heart. Humility, it it means a lot of things, but uh, I I guess I think one of the simplest definitions and at least the starting point of humility is just knowing our place before God. And Mary's saying it, it's the humble who can receive this gift. This is good news for the humble, those who, who know their need, those who know they're broken, those who know they need a savior, and those who know that they need to be rescued. That's who can receive this gift. This is, this is consistent with all of scripture. This is what God has always desired to see in his people is, is, is a heart of humility. But the, the, the pinnacle of this is in Jesus, the birth and, and even the, the life of Jesus. It's where we see this most clearly. I mean, if you, if you think about what's happening here, we're talking about the, 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 the son of God being born to a, a poor, lowly, obscure virgin in a small town. I mean, this is the, the pinnacle of God favoring the humble. So you, hopefully you're, you're familiar with this and you see it all throughout scripture. I'll give you a, th- a few examples, okay? Uh, in the book of James, he's quoting a proverb, Proverbs uh, 3.34. He says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's quoted several times throughout scripture. So the command is to humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Again, we, we see this all throughout Scripture, even in the, so in the Old Testament, it's what God is after. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, God is speaking to Solomon. He says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God says, if you'll humble yourself, I, that's when I move. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. That's where I'll work is in a heart that is humble. And again, this, this is seen, it, 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 it's seen the, the most clearly in the life of Jesus. Jesus turned the world upside down. I mean, everything that the world values, he just, he, he flipped upside down, which is why we see him in his life and in his ministry, moving towards people who are lowly, those who are desperate, those who are outcasts, those who are sick, that's who Jesus moves towards. And he, and he says things like this. He says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. He says, the first is last, the last is first. He says, if you wanna mature in your faith, you have to become like a child. You know, I mean, Jesus is in, in every way, he's the ultimate example of humility. Philippians 2 picks up on this and explains that Jesus humbled himself simply by becoming a human. I mean, he, he, that, was an, that was an infinite act of humility. But not only that, he, he, he didn't only become human, but he also chose to die. He didn't only die, he chose to die on a cross. I mean, we, we see this, this perfect example of humility in Jesus. And the irony is that the most humble man to ever walk the earth was also God. And that sets an example 
for us to follow. And so that's why uh, in Jesus' ministry, he said things like this in Mark 2.17. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus, what Jesus is saying is that no, really no one is actually well. Really no one is actually righteous. But he's basically saying there's two kinds of people. He's looking at a group of people and he's saying, look, if, if you know that you need help, if you know you're broken, if you know you need to be forgiven, I'm here for you. If you, if, if you know you need to be rescued, I, I'm here for you. But if you're someone who, who, who is self-sufficient, you believe you have everything you need in yourself, it's probably, this is probably not for you. <laughs> it's kind of what he's saying. This, this gift is for those who can receive it. So here's, here's the, the, the bottom line is that Jesus came to rescue those who know they need him, okay? That's, that's who can receive this gift, so the, the, the obvious question, I hope it, it's obvious, is, well, what's, what's the attitude of my heart? I, I'd encourage you to kind of ask yourself that, examine your own heart. Where, where am I at here? Am I, is my heart humbled before God? Do I, am I broken before God? Do I know my need? And am I in a posture where I can receive from God? That's who can receive this gift. And this is not just, yes, we, we are talking about our, our ultimate salvation from sin and from death, of course. But that's just the beginning. I mean, I mean the Christian life is marked by this. We, we need to be rescued daily from ourselves as broken people in a broken world. And, and the, really the core of the Christian life is learning to receive from God. And everything that we do, everything that we give, just flows out of this. Personally, I, I, I shared earlier, uh, I started to, to share earlier, you know, but this, this year really has been marked by some just deep brokenness um, and also some great growth. And those typically, at least in my experience, tend to go together. Because that is actually one of the greatest gifts that God gives is awareness of our need and our brokenness and our sin and the, and the places in our hearts and our lives where we just need him. You remember that picture of rescue we talked about earlier? Someone who's helpless in a situation and they need someone to intervene to rescue them. That's where we all are. The question is, are we aware? Are our hearts postured in a way to, to receive from God? So that's what I want just to encourage you is wherever you're at, like exiting this year and getting ready to enter a, a, a new one. Where, where are your weak areas in, in your heart, in your life? Where, where are the, the broken places? Where are the places that you're just desperate? Because I, I think I can say pretty confidently that's where God will work. That's where God wants to work. Psalm 51 tells us that uh, God's favorite kind of heart is one who's broken. <laughs> a broken heart he will, he will not despise. And it's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, he, he learned this, this thing that he wanted God to take away and he just, he, he didn't. God said no. Over and over again. 
And finally, Paul comes to a place where he says, what he hears from the Lord, the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul's response is he says, so I I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. This is the realization that Paul came to is that when, when I am broken, that's when God's power is put on display in my life. And so that's my encouragement to you as we, as we look towards uh, a, a new year. <laughs> May we start here. One of our, uh, we, we have measures as a church that we say, it's six things that we say, these are kind of the fundamental things that we wanna see in our lives as disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And this is the first one. This is a starting point. It's called desperate dependence. Maybe you're familiar with this. We define it as a posture of abiding in God's presence, longing for his power and depending upon his promises. It's an attitude of receiving from God. We go to God open-handed knowing we have nothing to offer, but we have everything to receive from him. And this is where we start. This is where everything starts. This next year, 2021, who knows? (laughs) Who knows what's in store? God knows, but this is where he wants us. Desperate dependence upon him. This is our starting point for everything. Nothing we do is good if we don't start here. Jesus said that in John 15. We have to abide in him because apart from him, we, we can do nothing. So that's my encouragement to you. This, is, this really is an encouragement. It may feel heavy, but it really is an encouragement to just go to God in these next few days, okay, as we finish out this year and get ready to enter a new one. Get with God, and just humble yourself before him. Open your heart to him and, and, and ask him, what does he want to give you? What, what, what does he want to heal? What does he want to speak into right now in your life? 